Alright, we'll go ahead and take your Bibles and go to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read a portion of the Christmas story today and then I want to focus on some specific characters in this story. And there's some really some great lessons that I think we can learn from them. But I want, to, I want when we read this passage, I want you to kind of focus this morning on the shepherds in this story. We're going to take a look at the shepherds and I want to show you something uh, that we see in the shepherds that I believe is just kind of a human nature thing that's uh, that's in all of us. But some, for, sometimes um, we don't use this in the right way and I think, uh, I think we can learn some good lessons here. But Luke chapter 2, in verse 8 it says, "...and they were in the same country, shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. I want you to just notice some things there. First of all, I mean, just imagine if you're a shepherd out there in the fields at night, I imagine most time was probably pretty boring. Not a whole lot goes on at night. I imagine most of the sheep are probably sleeping. But notice all of a sudden these angels appear. And these angels, they didn't just you know appear and they just happened to be there. I mean, they appeared to tell them something. I mean, these angels gave them a specific message. You know, said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. They told them what to look for. This shall be a sign unto you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Not a common thing to see uh, during that time to see a baby lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. And they went and they saw it. I mean, how exciting that must have been. You know, one of the things that we take for granted sometimes when we read the Bible, we constantly read about miracles. We read about appearances of angels and things. But really, that type of thing didn't happen often. We hear about it often in church and we read about it often in the Bible, but sometimes it was hundreds of years without anything like this. And so here, we have these, you know, these angels appearing and then a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. I mean, just imagine out being out there in a the field at night and then all of a sudden you just see a multitude of angels singing praise to God. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm getting excited just thinking about it. And these shepherds, they see this and notice what it says about these shepherds. They immediately, the first thing they did is like, Hey, let's now go to let's let us now go even unto Bethlehem. 
Let's go see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And then the Bible says they came with haste. I mean, boy, they had just seen angels. They were given a message from angels. They were told that a Savior was born. And they did. They came with haste. They got in a hurry. But then notice after they'd seen it in verse 17, it says, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. They went and they started telling everybody about it. It says in verse 20, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen or they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Just note this how, I mean, they were excited. They're telling everybody about it. Not only are they telling people what they'd seen, they're telling how they had heard it and how it had been made known unto them. They're telling people the whole thing. And you know, we don't see the interactions and things that took place and how they did, but I imagine there was probably some folks that didn't believe them. I imagine there's probably some folks that, that laughed at them. And you probably thought they were crazy. But notice, it didn't seem to matter to them. They're just telling everybody. Because you know what? There's just something about us. There's something in us that when we get news, we want to tell people about it, don't we? I mean, when something exciting happens, we want to tell people. My kids, they do that all the time. Anytime anything happens, you know, I mean, you know, whoever finds out first, they got to go run and tell all the other kids. I mean, just this morning, Chloe was running all over the church telling all her brothers and sisters because Brother Lonnie brought like three different kinds of goldfish or something. And I mean, you know, they're always spreading news. And that goes on at our house all the time. And it's just human nature, and that's fine. But, you know, shepherds, they were the ones that were supposed to spread this news because, well, they were the ones that received the message. They were, and that's exactly what they did. But, you know, notice they weren't, they weren't commanded to go spread the news. The angels didn't tell them to go spread the news. They just did it, didn't they? I mean, it was only natural for them to do that. And there's just something that's inside of us that we want to be the first to give people good news. I mean, have you ever been there? Maybe you got all, you got some big news and you went to go tell somebody and they already knew. I mean, you're like, man, I wanted to be the first one to be the first one to tell you. And it's always disappointing. I mean, you know, I mean, the news media, they always want to be the first ones, you know, to break the news. You know, you heard it here first at ABC News. You know, they always want to be the first. And you might remember back in 2000 in the presidential race that was really close, and there was one, I don't know which, which one did it first, but there was a news organization that announced Al Gore as the winner. And you remember they were embarrassed because it turned out he didn't win. And so I remember the next election, they were all really careful to weigh and make sure because they didn't want to look stupid. But at the same time, they all want to be the first. And here's the thing too, when it comes to the news media, even if they are first, they're probably only going to be first by seconds. I mean, news spreads that fast, you know, it spreads that fast, but still, there's something about being first. And it's inside all of us. We want to spread good news. But you know, sadly, when it comes to the gospel, which means good news, we tend to get really quiet. We tend to not want to spread that around. And you know that that really goes against our nature. It's our nature to want to spread good news. Go over to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. I want to read a passage of Scripture to you. Verse 9, it says, Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, 
for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for He hath counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Notice, we spread news that excites us. The things that we get excited about, I mean, we spread the news on it. You know, we'll call people up. You know, we don't send letters out anymore. That takes too long to get the message to you. Know, we, we call everybody up. You know, we'll send out a mass text message or, or whatever because we spread news that excites us. And the gospel, it ought to excite us. Notice how Paul refers to it here as the glorious gospel of Christ. He talks about the people that need it. He mentions all, you know, these wicked sins and things. And then he mentions himself. He talks about all the things that he had done. But God, because of his, he was rich in mercy, because of his grace, God saved Paul. And that's the whole purpose of why Christ came, he says. He came to save sinners of whom I am chief. And he was thankful. I mean, he praised God that he counted him faithful and put him into the ministry. And the main part of that ministry was getting the gospel out. He looked at it as a privilege of being the one to spread that news. He looked at it as a privilege to be able to go and give people that good news. I mean, you know, I've, I've thought before it would be terrible. I can't imagine you know being a doctor and to have to go tell somebody you're going to die. That that would be hard to do that. You know, maybe or uh, you know, I've been there before. I've been in the waiting room part. Maybe when somebody's going there having a major surgery or something, everybody's you know waiting to find out. What happens? You know, and it'd be exciting to be the doctor and to go and say, "Hey, everything's fine. He's good." You know, and to see the relief, to see the excitement on people. But to have to go give the bad news—that would—that'd be horrible. I wouldn't want to do that. I can't imagine uh, the, the people in the military that will go to the homes whenever one of our uh, soldiers fall in combat and to have to tell the family. I—that would not. I mean, somebody's got to do it, but I wouldn't want that job. I would not want to have to do that. I wouldn't want to have to, to see that look on people's face. It would be it'd be horrible. But the good news of the gospel, to be able to give good news, that's exciting. That's a privilege. It'd be exciting to be one of those people that I, I, I don't know if they still do the publisher's clearinghouse thing where they go and they give people the big checks and stuff. That would be fun. That would be fun doing that kind of thing, going and giving people good news. That's fun. That's something that ought to excite us, and that's something we ought to get fired up about. I mean, we have been. And notice how he says that uh, he. Uh, I lost the verse. That he hath enabled me, for he hath counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. He in the verse before that he talks about the glorious gospel, which was committed to my trust. That if you're saved today, God has given you that command to spread the gospel. 
And we ought to be excited about that. To give good news. I was watching a documentary one time about the King James Bible, and it was so it was such a funny story because uh, before King James was king of England, he was at, he was king in Scotland. And I remember whenever uh, whoever the queen was, who was the head one in England, I forgot which one it was. I think it might have been Mary Queen of Scots, or I guess it's Scotland. I don't know. Not the best of history, but it was a funny story because. Whenever she died, they had somebody. He was waiting there. That as soon as it happened, as soon as it got word she was dead, he was going to be the king, and he wanted to go down in history as being the one to tell James that he was the king of England. And it's a funny story because this guy he had horses all lined up because it was a long journey, and he had horses all lined up so he could switch off horses and he can get there as fast as he could. And boy, as soon as uh, she died, he did. He got on his horse and he took off. Well, he got thrown from his horse a couple times, and I guess I mean it, he got hurt pretty bad. And when he finally showed up there to tell King James he's king, he was all beat up and half dead. <laughs> but he got there. And he just and you know he said you know the queen is dead you know long live King James King of England or whatever, and he got there and he said it, it almost killed him but he was the one he got there first and it, it, it's a it's a funny story but that's just how we are and that's but when it comes to the gospel many Christians today they don't want to say anything they don't want to tell people about it. And that should not be the case. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And with Paul, it was a privilege to him because I mean, here's a guy who I mean was I mean just as wicked as all get out, and God saved him. And you know what? Paul understood that you know what? There's plenty of other people out there that were in the same boat that I was in, that they're on their way to the same place that I was on my way to, and the gospel, that good news of salvation, I mean, it could save them if they'll believe. And he wanted to tell people. And we ought to be the same way. See, we spread news that excites. But you know, we don't just spread news that's exciting. We spread news that scares. Go to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. Verse 11 says, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of the things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's a passage that we ought to read regularly because notice everybody there, they're judged by their works at the great white throne. And everyone who's judged by their works is going to be cast in the lake of fire. Thank God if you're saved today, it's not about your works. You're not going to be judged by your works. You're going to be judged by the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary, and thank God that His work was good enough, and if you've put your faith and trust in Him, you're not going to stand before the great white throne of judgment. 
Because everybody there is getting judged by their works and everyone who's judged by their works is getting cast in the lake of fire. And we need to remind people of that too when people want to talk about their works and they want to talk about how they think they're going to make it based on their works. Well, you know what? The Bible says everyone that gets judged by their works is going to be cast in the lake of fire. And that's scary. And you know what? We've all done that before. We've called people up. Maybe because... Of some scary news. I remember, you know, when I remember when 9/11 happened. I was at, I was working when that happened. I was at the Walmart distribution center in Spring Valley, and I remember, you know, it started going around the warehouse quick, and you know, and there was all kinds of rumors. And I remember the first thing I heard was like over 10,000 people got killed, and you know, of course, it wasn't it wasn't that bad, but um, I remember, you know, the way the news spread on that. You know, people were calling each other up, telling everybody about it. You know, we we call people up. Maybe you've done this before. You know, if you see there's a speed trap somewhere, hey, <laughs> you know, you call if you know they're on their road on that road. Hey, watch out! There's a speed trap there. They're, you know, why? There's a penalty for doing that, and there's a penalty for sin, and we know about it, and we need to be telling people about the penalty of sin. We need to be telling people about the consequences of life without Christ, because the end is going to be horrible. The end. It is. It's scary, and the penalty of sin. It ought to. It ought to scare us. And thank God, if you're saved, it doesn't need to scare you anymore. But it ought to scare you for other people, because we don't want to see that. I've, I'm, you know, I remember Dad called me one time, told me about a new law, you know, about new laws that they passed. That's like, but I'm glad he told me, because I don't want to get a ticket for some of those things. I remember, you know, when they made the stupid law, you can't. Just recently, you can't talk on your cell phones while you're driving. And wish I could say uh, I can stand here today not guilty of ever doing that. But you know, uh, I'm glad I know because before I, I'd see a police officer, I talk on my cell phone. Well, even then, I just I I put it on speakerphone, you know, just because in case he was having a bad day or something. But you know, at the same time, you know, we we want to know those things, don't we? If you're breaking the law, you know, it kind of helps if you know it. That's why. You know, I let somebody do my taxes for me. Even though I know I've taken a tax school, I know quite a bit about it. I just want to be able to blame somebody else because I mean, they're every year they change the tax code. Every year they change tons of the laws, and I mean, you can't keep the tax code 100. percent Nobody can, but that's why you have somebody else do it, and you can at least blame them, you know, and convince a court that you're you know you did your best, you tried. But I mean, uh, we want we want to know about those things. And people need to know about the penalty of sin. There are people today that are going through life religious. And I know we're not ever supposed to criticize anybody's religion. We're not supposed to say anything against anybody else's religion. That's just not right. We need to all respect each other's religions. But did you know that most religions are based on works? And what does the Bible say about those who are judged according to their works? They're going to get cast in the lake of fire. And listen, I know we're not supposed to say anything bad about anybody's religion. We're all supposed to be respectful. But if they're going to a church that's teaching you got to be good to go to heaven, those people, if they're following that, they're on their way to hell. And we ought to spread that news. We ought to let people know. Because here's the thing. We call the Gospel the good news. And you know you got the churches. Oh, we just need to talk about the love, and we just got to tell the good news. But I've said it here before. Part of the reason there's good news is because there's some bad news first. 
And the bad news is, is that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The bad news is, for the wages of sin is death. That's bad news. The bad news is, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. The bad news is that there's a place called hell. We have to let people know about that to be able to give the good news that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We've got to give people, before we can give them the good news, we've got to give them the bad news. And it's just human nature. We'll tell people, you know, give up, you know, we'll spread the news to keep them from having to pay a $75 ticket, but we're going to be quiet when it comes to the news about keeping them out of an eternity in hell. And that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That just goes against our nature. You know, also another thing we do, we like to spread news about things that we've just learned. Look over at First Timothy chapter one and verse thirteen, one of the verses we looked at just a little bit ago. First Timothy chapter one and verse thirteen. It says, Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. You know, there's a difference in somebody who sins knowing the truth and somebody who sins not knowing the truth. And you know, Paul says, I obtained mercy. He, what he was doing, when he was going out and persecuting the church, he thought he was doing the Lord's work, didn't he? I mean, he was very zealous of his religion. He, when he persecuted Christians, he thought he was doing God's service. People out there in these false religions, they think they're doing God's service, don't they? But when Paul was doing what he thought was good and what he was convinced was good, was he on his way to heaven? He was on his way to hell, wasn't he? He was on his way to hell doing what he thought was good. Being sincere. Being zealous of his religion. But thank God for Paul, when he learned that what he was doing was wrong, when Jesus showed up and He said, Why persecutest thou Me? When He realized that the error of His ways, thank God, He got saved. And He didn't persecute the church anymore. He called on the Lord. He was saved. He was baptized. became an apostle. And you know what? There's people out there that are on their way to hell. They're doing wrong. And that may have been you at one time. There's some people, the first time they hear the plan of salvation, they get saved. There's sometimes some people it takes them a while. You got to kind of beat it in their head a little bit. But that may have been some of you. That may be your testimony. You're going through life. I mean, you weren't you. You hadn't killed anybody. You weren't a thief. You know, you you were being a good person. But you know, you you were ignorant concerning the gospel. And thank God, somebody came and they told you the truth of what was going on. And boy, when you got saved, it excites you. You want to tell somebody about it. I remember when I got saved. I remember you know calling my grandparents and telling them about it. You know, and they were already saved. But you know, you just when something good happens, you want to tell people about it. When you learn something, you want to tell people about it. And the truth is, as Christians, if we stay in the Word of God, we're going to continue to learn, aren't we? I mean, you're you're going to learn stuff, and you're going to want to tell people about it. You know, I mean, it drives me crazy sometimes. You know, you know, working out, you know, in the world, you hear people all the time complaining about their problems, and you know, I'll I'll be sitting in the break room sometimes, and I'll be here ever hear people talking about their misery and all the problems they're having in life. And you know, sometimes I'm just like, you know what, I just need to start bringing a Bible, and just I I got 
40 verses I can give them to help them out in this thing. I'm, I'm ready to preach a sermon in the break room. I'd probably get in a lot of trouble. I'd probably be really unpopular, but there's just something in me that wants to do it. I mean, I've been out there in public before. I was in Walmart one time, and I remember I heard this lady talking, and she was talking about her family, and the lady's like, wow, like, you know, you really have a dysfunctional family. And she's like, you know, that's just, that's just how it is these days. And you know what? I just wanted to start preaching a sermon right there. You know, and just say, hey, I know that's how it is these days, but you know what? It doesn't have to be these way, this way. You know, the Lord told us how we're going to have a good, and it's just, I just want to start preaching a sermon right there. And you know, that might be a little out of, you know, maybe a little out of line, but there ought to be something in us that's wanting to get the news out to people. And you know what, when we, if we really want to, we find ways, don't we? We know how to make conversations come up. We're pretty good at that sometimes. You know, we know how to, you know, there's ways that we can get it in there. And we ought to be trying and yet, when you do, when you learn something new, you want to tell people about it. You know, kids in school, and I, you know, a lot of times you know, when they learn something new, you know, they come and told me, "Hey, I learned this today." They're excited about learning something new. And if we'll stay in the Word of God, we're going to be learning. And if we're learning, we're going to want to tell somebody. I mean, what's the point of knowing something and not being able to tell people? I mean, have you ever had somebody come up to you, you know, and they're like, hey, I know a secret. And then they don't want to tell you, but, you know, like, I'm not going to tell you. But you know what? It doesn't take much, and they usually do, don't they? You know why? Because what's the point of having a secret if you can't tell somebody about it? And you know, what's the point of having all this good news that we have and us just sit on it and not tell anybody about it? So it totally goes against our nature to not be spreading the Gospel, to not be telling people about Christ, especially when it comes to our loved ones. Because it's also, you know, we spread news when it comes to things that we think other people don't know about it. In Acts, uh, go to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. We're not going to take time uh, to read this. We're not going to take time to read this whole passage. But in Acts chapter 17, verse 2 says, And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And one of the things, and we're not going to read that whole story, but you read the whole thing. But Paul, one of the things that he did that was very common, he especially had a burden for his people. He especially had a burden for the Jews. And whenever he would go into another town, he would always go into the synagogue first. And he, he just assumed those people didn't know about Jesus yet. And at that time, you know, it was, it was safe to assume that they probably didn't. And he went and he showed them Old Testament Scriptures. He would tell them about the things that had happened. Telling them that Jesus Christ came and He fulfilled the law. And He gave them the Gospel message. And then when you and if you keep on reading there in Acts chapter 17, it talks about all those gods on Mars Hill that they would worship. It talked about, you know, there was the uh, one that was written on verse 23. There was one altar that had the inscription to the unknown God. He says, Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. And then in verse 24 it says, And God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth life to all, or giveth to all life. 
and breath unto all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after Him and find Him, though He be not far from every one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our beings. And certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also His offspring." For as much then as we are as offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because He hath appointed a day in the which He will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom He hath ordained, whereof He hath given assurance unto all men and that He hath raised Him from the dead. Now notice how Paul, he's given these people the Gospel. Notice how these people worshipped idols. You see, it was I think it was safe for Paul to assume that these people were lost simply because they were worshipping idols. Now that's not what saved people do, is it? He was, and he was trying to teach them that. He was trying to show them that God isn't something that's made with the hands of man. God is the one that gives life to everyone. It was clear by their actions that they didn't know Christ. And you know, we want to tell people things that they don't know. A lot of times, and you know, have you ever not given somebody news because you just assumed they already knew? You know, I, you know, why didn't you tell them that? Well, I thought you already knew. Well, sometimes we're wrong. But really, when you when it comes to this world that we're living in, does it look like they know the gospel? Oh, they go to church. Does it look like they know the gospel? Does it really look like they're on their way to heaven? I mean, the Bible says, "By their fruits ye shall know them." It's like we think that just because somebody goes to a church, you know, we go out knocking doors and oh yeah, I go I go to such and such church. Oh okay, well you must be saved. I'm going to leave you alone. You know, and they're standing there with a beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other hand, and you know, they they did, you heard you heard them cussing out their wife before they came to the door, and oh, you go to that church? Okay, you're saved. I don't need to give you the gospel. Really? I mean, don't we want to tell people stuff that we're we think they don't know? Why would we think for one second that most of these people in this world are saved? Does it look like they know Christ? Someone worshiping idols is a strong clue that they are not saved. And somebody who's living a life of sin, that's a pretty strong clue that they're either really backslidden or they are lost. And you know, so I, when I say all that, we need to ask ourselves the question, are we sure that our loved ones know Christ? Does it look like they know Christ? I mean, is there any evidence at all that they're saved? Do the things of God seem to matter to them at all? We want to tell people things that we think they don't know. It's just human nature. It comes totally natural to us. But uh, go to Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6. For some reason, when it comes to the Gospel, it's like we assume everybody knows about it. Well, there's churches on every corner in America. So what? I'm telling you, most of these churches are not doing a thing to get the Gospel out. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another Gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the Gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other Gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. 
And we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which he have received, let him be accursed. Okay, notice how he said that twice. Now, when the Bible says something twice, is it because God just ran out of stuff to say? No, it's because it's for emphasis. And two times in a row, if we or anyone else preaches another gospel, let him be accursed. What does that mean? That means when somebody for somebody to be accursed, that means they're lost and on their way to hell. And for when we are commanded, listen, we can't see people's hearts. We can't know for sure who's saved and who's not saved. But the Bible has told us that anyone who preaches any other gospel, in which he said here it's not another, but they pervert the gospel. Anyone who's perverting the gospel, we are supposed to take that as if it was from somebody who's on their way to hell. That's the way that we're supposed to receive it. You know, there's you know, if obviously today, if we had some known Satanist get up here, I mean, he's this just crazy satanic looking guy, and he gets up here and he looks like he's all strung out on something, and he's telling you all, you know what, there's no God. You know, and he you know, the devil, he's the true God, and hell is the place to go because it's just uh eternity of parties. Are we gonna listen to that guy? No. That's not going to be tempting. You know why? Because we all are going to look at him as somebody who's on their way to hell, as somebody who is accursed. And the Bible and the Bible says anyone who gives another gospel or perverts the gospel, we are to look at that person and take that message as though it was coming from somebody who's on their way to hell. And you know what? That might be a preacher or a pastor from another church. If they get up and they're telling you something that goes against this Gospel, we're just to assume that person's lost. Therefore, somebody comes up to you, maybe a family member, and they say, well, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. Oh, really? Well, give me your testimony. Well, you know, one time I had this dream that I went to heaven. And boy, in that dream, I just felt so good. I never felt so wonderful. And I just knew then that I was saved. Boy, does that line up with the Gospel? Absolutely not. You know how we need to look at them? As a lost person. And they need they need the news of good news of salvation. If somebody comes and they say, Well, I'm saved on my way to heaven, really? How, how do you know you're saved? Well, I'm a good person. And I think I'm gonna be if I stood before God, I think he's gonna say, you know what? Hey, you know, you never you you've been good to other people, you never did anything bad to anybody that didn't have it coming. You know what? Come on, I've had people give me testimonies like that before. And you know how you ought to receive that? Of somebody who has no idea of what the true gospel is. They don't know. They've accepted a false gospel or a perverted gospel, and you take that as though you just have to assume they're lost. It's like we want to assume everybody's saved. And I think the reason for that is because we don't want to have to give people the gospel. And if you know they're lost, that you're going to feel that responsibility to tell them, and that's why there's so many. There, you know, even amongst so-called Christians, there's people that are trying. To, I mean, there are some well-known quote Christian people that will tell you things like the Jews don't need to be saved through Jesus Christ. They're already safe because they're God's chosen people. Well, that doesn't line up with the gospel. That's not how Paul got saved. He was a Jew, but he had to receive Christ as his Savior. That's a false gospel. That's a perverted gospel. We need to assume those people are lost. 
that are preaching that kind of thing. They need the gospel too. You know, they'll, they'll say, some of those same people, they'll tell you, you know, Muslims, hey, as long as they're sincere and not killing other people, they're fine. You know, the Buddhists, they're fine. As long as they're sincere, that's another gospel. The gospel says Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. And we have to assume those people are lost, and yet Christians today, they're just wanting to assume they're safe. Why? Because it takes away our responsibility to tell them the good news. And the truth is that if somebody says that, that's proof that they don't know. And we want to tell people things that they don't know. That is our human nature. But yet, when it comes to the gospel, we all get real quiet. We get real bashful. You know, we get we get real polite. Ah, uh, you know, I don't want to bother them. You know, if it's big enough news, they'll call people in the middle of the night. I'm telling you, call people in the middle of the night and give them the gospel. You'll just make them mad. But you know, we ought to be looking for opportunities. I mean, it ought to it ought to at least be eating at you to do it. I mean, you ought to at least be just, I mean, looking for that opportunity. It ought to at least be bothering you that you haven't had a chance yet. You ought to be trying to work something out to do it because that's just our human nature and that's our responsibility. Jesus, before he left, gave that great commission of going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature. And you know, it's funny, some people, they're more comfortable preaching the gospel, giving the gospel to a stranger than they are sometimes their own family. And you know, I was thinking about this. You know, I don't know for sure, but I'll, you know, I'll bet if every saved person just got the gospel to those that they loved, I would think we could get it to the whole world. I mean, I would think most people today, especially at least in America, hopefully they've got somebody in their family or a friend that loves them that's a Christian. And if we, would, now I'm not saying they would all get saved. But if every saved person just gave the gospel to just the people they loved, I think that would probably spread pretty fast. But unfortunately, we're getting real quiet about it. And it goes against our nature. I think we need to learn from those shepherds. Boy, they got they were excited. I mean, they felt privileged. Let's go see this. You know, they didn't they didn't just say, you know, let us not go even unto Bethlehem to see this thing which has come to pass. They could have just said that. But it's like they threw in, let's go now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing that comes to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And then when it says they were rejoicing and praising God, you know, that He had made known unto them, it's like they had to keep throwing that in. Hey, you hear about this good news that the Lord told us? You hear about this message that the angels gave us? Well, hey, have I ever told you about the gospel that the Lord gave us? His word that He gave us? But that just that makes it all the more special, doesn't it? That makes it all the more exciting that we were the ones that God gave this message to, and that ought to just excite us even more. I mean, we ought to feel privileged. I mean, those shepherds, they angels, they told us. And God told us. He gave us the gospel, and that ought to fire us up, and it ought to get us excited. We were chosen to do that. And that ought to excite us about more than any other news that we could give. And I hope that this will get you get you fired up a little bit. And if you do, if you have that desire to tell people this news, that's natural. But hey, don't hold it in. Get the Word out. Tell people. Learn from the shepherds. These shepherds, they were just normal human beings 
doing what normal human beings do. And you know, it's most of the time I feel like as a pastor, I'm telling, trying to tell people, don't be a normal human being. Because that sin nature gets us in trouble all the time. But when it comes to spreading news, I think we ought to take advantage of our human instinct. And that's just to get the Word out, to get it out first, to get it out fast. And when it comes to the Gospel, let's do that. So with that, let's all stand together.